0: This is essential. 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 This is essential audio.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Work Podcast. I'm Kathy Taylor, the U.S. Commissioning Editor for Work, and we're here to once again discuss sustainability, which is one of the top search topics on Work. Today, we're going to talk about messaging. There's always a lot of talk in the industry about greenwashing, and yes, we will get to that, but we also want to focus a bit on how the messaging the industry puts out can really help consumers down the road of living more sustainable uh, lifestyles, which so many of them, them say they want to do. So I wanted to uh, introduce our guests today, um, Pip Cross from Barclay and Mikey Sadowski from Intrepid Travel. But I'm going to let them describe what they do and what their ties are into sustainability um, themselves. So Pip, you go first.
2: Well, thanks, Kathy. It's great to be on the show. So um, I work at Barclay. And Barclay is uh, an independent ideas consultancy and also the largest certified independent B Corp um, in North America. So sustainability, I lead sustainability at Barclay, and it's very um, core to the philosophy that we have at the agency, which is about creating whole brands. And for us, whole brands is everything you do as a company, both inside the organization and outside. Every act that a company takes nowadays is um, part of the brand. It isn't just your communication. So if you're really building a whole brand, you need to start with that internal sustainability strategy and brand culture, and make sure that's consistent in everything that you do. So glad to be here today, over to Mikey for his introduction.
0: Thank you so much. And Kathy, it's great to be here. So I work for Intrepid Travel, Intrepid Travel is the world's largest adventure travel company and travel B Corp. We run over 1000 adventure tours in 100 countries on all seven continents. Our tours really focus on seeing a destination through a more local lens uh, in a way that positively impacts the host communities that we visit. We are also considered a leader in responsible travel. We've been a champion on climate conscious travel for over a decade and uh, most recently became the only tour operator in the world with verified science-based climate targets through the science-based targets initiative. My role specifically as GM of global PR and communications is to really shape that positioning as a leader in responsible travel and really sit on the front lines of the, the public perception. So I oversee our social media, our PR, our corporate communications with kind of a goal of growing, evolving, and protecting our reputation and brand sentiment as the best travel company for the world.
1: Th- thanks to both of you. It's really great to have um, such forward-thinking uh, companies on the, on the um, podcast I'm hoping that most people know what a B Corp is, but Pip, can you just describe what that is since both of you are B Corps?
2: Uh, B Corps are companies that are independently verified, that they're working across governance, workers, community, environment, um, and customers and clients to be a force for good in everything they do as a
1: business. Very good. That uh, That was not planned, and you just rattled that off really wonderfully. Um, so obviously both of both of your companies are, as I just said, very um very forward looking in terms of sustainability. But one thing that we I think talked about in various emails, preps, whatever, um, and that I really want to focus on today is the whole area of messaging. It's really interesting to contemplate how the marketing industry can can kind of help model green lifestyles. And I almost don't really like the phrase green lifestyle, but but model what sustainability looks like in your day-to-day life. So for instance, that the default in an ad um, doesn't always involve someone jumping on a huge jumbo jet to go to their business meeting. So how, how do we as marketers sort of move messaging, even when, when the topic of the ad isn't necessarily about sustainability, to kind of you know normalize and model what this looks like for consumers on on a day-to-day basis.
2: I think um you know it's really interesting to think about the role that our you know brands have played in um in promoting almost unsustainable behaviors that if you think about um disposable uh, coffee cups for example you know became almost like a status symbol it, 20 years ago in terms of when people first started that behaviour. So, you know, simple steps in terms of when you talk about how do you juxtapose that or pre- pre- present an alternative using, you know, a ceramic mug or a reusable mug, um, I think those kind of signals that that is becoming a social norm are the kind of things that, that people are looking for. And at Barclay, we do an annual study, um, a purpose action gap study study that looks at what are the kind of behaviors that consumers are regularly engaging in. And one of the ones that we see is, you know, um, recycling, reusing materials um, is something that people are really interested in, composting, using less energy and and thinking about driving hybrid or EV cars. So I think it's already top of mind, um, especially for Gen Z and millennial audiences as opposed to other generations. So when you're thinking about those situations that you might put um, people inside your communication, it's helpful to think about those behaviors that are behaviors that people really aspire to right now, that they see as being um, uh, an emerging social norm and something that they're feeling increasing pressure to live up to.
0: Absolutely, I think I think one of the big challenges with kind of uh, you know environmentally friendly advertising or marketing communications is it's often can be much easier said than done. You know, we want to project a very, you know, sustainable travel that's really mindful of host communities that's diverse and inclusive and and then how do you do that in a small quarter page ad or how do you do that in a single Instagram post? So I think for us, it's really about building a culture in our advertising and marketing around inclusivity, around transparency, around environmentalism. And that way, all of our marketing, whether it's, you know, a a two minute video, an Instagram carousel, a quarter page ad, or a billboard, all kind of has that consistency and consideration. And we're obviously going to be able to get much stronger in kind of our environmental messaging in a two minute video than we will in a quarter page ad, but at least it feels very cohesive uh, across the brand for us, how that really comes to life is we actually have um, uh, ethical marketing guidelines, which is actually something um, within the B Corp community that Um, is influencing your score and it does help um, kind of recognize your your kind of I guess influence as a socially conscious business but our ethical marketing guidelines kind of outline um, you know five areas around diversity and inclusion openness and transparency uh, the rejection of neocolonialism belonging ethical digital marketing and all of our marketing kind of funnels and filters into that as well so it's a it's a really helpful way for us to ensure that what we're actually projecting to the world kind of does fit a pretty strong criteria whether that's a very small kind of print ad or a big long form digital buy and video campaign.
1: So is that open sourced at all? I mean, how much of these things are accessible to people um, in other, at other marketers who might want to know how to go down this path, so to speak?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So we we're very big on kind of sharing learnings and open sourcing. Over the past several years, we've open sourced you know, our decarbonization guide, we've um, open source our wildlife policy. We are just wrapping up kind of year one of our ethical marketing policy, but we have everything public and available and and you can kind of see it and read it. And um, we are hoping after to, we work out not some of the kinks, but work over some of the challenges and some of the, the areas that we struggle with to actually put out something more formal because when we were developing this, we had zero use cases to work off of in the travel industry. So we found it very helpful. The important thing I think as well is that, you know, this is the ethical marketing stuff. is is one element to it. There is definitely a very real consideration of being of not just being seen as inclusive, but actually being inclusive. Not just being seen as environmentally friendly, but being environmentally friendly. So when we look through these kind of guidelines of this stuff, it very much is looked at through a promotion lens. But it also needs to grow, develop, and evolve within our product and our organization and our people as well, because the promotion is really just one one element of the overall kind of mix of actually being a genuine kind of advocate. For for the environment and for people as well.
1: So Pip, I would love to uh, talk a little bit more about the whole brand concept and how that fits into um, how brands go about their business. I was going to say market themselves, but that's not the point. It's about being a whole brand that um, that follows through on all of the parts that make it a brand, and I'm happy to say we have a couple of whole brand papers on work. So if you want to read more about this, um, please do so. Barclay does some excellent work in this area. So, you know, how do you kind of broaden this ac- across the brands that you um, that you work with to really make this kind of part and parcel of how they go forward into the uh, marketplace? Not just with messaging, but other things. Yeah.
2: Well, thanks for asking that, Cathy. And I think it really builds on what Mikey was saying is that it's one thing to think about how you show up in the world and how you promote yourself. But it really doesn't, um, you know, stand the, the test of scrutiny and it, unless it's really backed up by action inside the organization around um, how you operate your facilities, how you um, source raw materials if you're sourcing a product or how you think about um, the delivery of your service, if it's a service business. So really all of those things have to be consistent in this space in in sustainability in order that you have a a holistic message that people can really um, feel trust around. And one of the kind of indicators that we look at is the whole brand index looking at what are those factors around sustainability and then what are the market performance um, metrics that you would uh, traditionally measure as a brand and there's a really strong correlation between those in terms of the um, consumers really looking for a a cognitive um, consistency between those different areas and if you get that right that really leads to higher brand performance. We also do a, a consumer perception study where we We look at what are the kinds of things that consumers are looking for and what helps them build trust and sustainability claims. And time and time again, we hear that consumers are really looking for proof. We often talk about it with clients almost like an iceberg. If the the peak of the iceberg is what's visible and is the communication around it, it needs to be supported by something underneath it that's really more substantial. And there needs to be a pathway for consumers to access information. Because one of the things we also find is that fifty percent of consumers particularly millennials and Gen Z are researching brands before they buy them so they're, they're not taking that marketing message at face value they really want proof that you're living those values and taking action inside the company and that I think you know to round that out is really what being a whole brand is about is understanding
1: that and making sure that you
2: deliver on it for people
1: the next question I wanted to ask is uh, how brands can support consumers in Moving their sort of uh, sustainable life forward. And travel is a fascinating one, Mikey, because honestly, when I book a trip, I wouldn't even know where to begin to make that trip uh, more environmentally you know friendly.
0: Well, I think you actually just got to the crux of what we're trying to achieve as a brand because there is so much ambiguity. There is so much, you know, the the mountain of oh, what is, how do I actually travel sustainably, even when I start with a carbon emitting flight on the other side of the world. So for us, we actually have a really strong brand positioning of being almost turnkey responsible travel, where we actually take all of the guesswork out of it, where you can book an organized tour and you know that it's going to be developed in line with the highest standards of science-based target principles and the science-based target initiative. You know that that it's going to be feeding or injecting money into local communities. You're gonna have a local leader, local guide, eat at local restaurants and things like that. And I think it does kind of come back to what Pip was saying is that, you know, that, that first frontline messaging which sometimes is, might have to be like a, you know, a quick slogan or a flashy photo or things like that—it's just the very start. And you can imagine for a travel of a high purchase and average, you know, average selling price of a two to three thousand dollar transaction—it's not something that people usually just make on a whim. There is a very real funnel and a very really real journey. So it's about for us peaking that interest and then really, really making sure that we can actually get their attention as we take them through the rest of it, and they learn more about what climate conscious travel is, what local travel is, and and do it in a way um, uh, that actually is fun and joyful because that's the other piece as well, is that a holiday should be fun and enjoyable, but it shouldn't come at the cost of the planet or the, or the people who are hosting you.
1: So Pip, maybe you, you folks at Barclay handle a travel brand, uh, maybe not, but what do, you, what do you feel kind of the responsibility is or the opportunity is for brands to kind of help consumers along uh, a more sustainable journey in their day-to-day lives?
2: Well, I think we're at this really interesting transition point in terms of communication. With when we see this working with a lot of the brands that we work with, in the past, sustainability has been you know kind of almost supply chain focus. When we think about some apparel brands or you know consumer product um, brands, you know outside of the travel industry, it's really been around what has that company done to reduce its emissions, um, and company messaging has really centred around that. And I think it's been hard for consumers to really get excited about it, participate in it, understand it. And, you know, what we're really hearing now in consumer research is that the desire is to live sustainably and they're looking for products um, or companies and products that can help them do that. So we've gone from, you know, don't tell me that you're sustainable, help me be sustainable. Um, You know, someone we've been working with recently and talking with is Logitech, and they did a carbon footprint of some of their products and have started to put that um, labeling on the packaging to really kind of take the consumer on that journey, very similar to Intrepid Travel around helping make it easy for you to choose a mouse that has a lower carbon footprint than another. Um, and really also then that accountability of this is where we are right now, this is what we're working on, and this is how you might see that footprint reduce over time.
1: Uh, no, th- 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 thanks, thanks a lot for that, because I, I definitely uh, see that that interest on the part of consumers, but it is a bit overwhelming. Totally. Um, one really interesting Um, presentation I saw at at ANA Masters of Marketing uh, last month was um, Procter & Gamble sort of taking tide and trying to figure out um, not just what their manufacturing costs were to make tide, but then what happened in terms of uh, the environmentally bad behavior that comes out on the consumer side because people, for instance, are Washing their clothes in hot water, so that then turned into a campaign about the fact that Tide works in cold water and how much that will save you. And so it was a really interesting, interesting campaign because it really is becoming holistic. It's not just I, I, I need to make this product more sustain sustainable, but i I need to make it more sustainable for my consumers to use that product. Absolutely.
2: I love that campaign. I mean, I I think it started in Europe when I was living there. It was called Turn to 30 Degrees Celsius um, was the the whole campaign. And it was very simple, Turn to 30. And um, it was really just one behavior. And then underneath it sat what are all of the environmental benefits of just lowering the temperature of of how you wash your clothes. And it's huge. So I think, and that's always the tension, I think, is sometimes we think we have to explain the whole carbon uh, life cycle of a product, but sometimes just focusing on one piece and being really specific about the action consumers can take can kind of cut that noise down and make it easy for you to do the
1: right thing. Yeah, so I guess this segues into greenwashing, right? I wondered how you felt, both of you, the industry was doing in terms of maybe not being so greenwashy all the time. So Mikey, I wondered what your thoughts were first. I'll call on you first.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I, I think it's a it's a a very encouraging environment that we're in right now in the sense that consumers are much more They've, they've wised up to the kind of brand BS. They're really, you know, holding brands accountable and they, they demand a lot. And it's creating an environment where the risk portfolio of just putting out a message for a brand has become much higher and rightfully so. The, the crux of kind of greenwashing and impact washing is when you start at the words and not the work. And we really try to reverse engineer that. So we always kind of start with the work and we start about what we're actually kind of doing, and then we kind of go into to the words from that. So, you know, one of the things that we always talk to at, and other marketers and things like that in terms of how we actively avoid greenwashing, impact washing is, is also just being very aware of who's at the table of decision making around campaigns and things like that. So we, you know, I work just as closely with intrepid climate scientists than I do with our email marketing team. And I work just as closely with our people who work on intersectional justice and indigenous relationships than I do our, you know, p- people who work on our, uh, our brand team, for example. So it's really just about kind of shifting that conversation around what actually is kind of marketing when you're talking about this kind of impact space, because it's really about being much more focused on the work over the words and letting the words kind of become kind of the, the product of the work, not the other way around. Um, and that's that's for us just something that's been really kind of impactful and important and helped us really navigate this very heightened kind of greenwashing environment from Intrepid Travel's point of view.
1: OK, so so this is this is sort of the lightning round question uh, on greenwashing. So, Mikey, you get to go first. How do you think the industry is doing in terms of getting away from greenwashing issues? Do you see improvement or is it still really not a good situation?
0: Uh, I still think it's it's I mean, it's specifically in travel, but even broader business, I think there's a disconnect between almost the demand and supply in terms of like, there is a heightened demand for sustainability, ethics, responsible. everyone needs to have a purpose and a mission and things like that. And to a point where people are trying to play catch up on the supply side of things. And that's kind of why these for us, like these B Corp certifications, some of these bigger, bigger, higher regulated standards really help us navigate that because we're trying to actually show and navigate a, a business that's genuinely committed to the work and has been doing good things and has been doing it for over 30 years. So I think we're at a great place where everyone there is a a widely accepted understanding that we all have a role to play in informing and creating a better planet, better products, and helping to kind of be sustainable and regenerative for future generations. But I do think we're kind of at a place now where we're going to have to be really, really, you know, accountable and hold each other accountable on who's actually coming to the party, who's actually doing the work, and who's making it genuine. And I think it kind of comes extends to a little bit of what Pip was saying, where there's going to be a very real kind of environment now where the words aren't really going to be enough. It's going to be kind of a show, don't tell type things, show how you're being ethical, show how you're being sustainable, show how you're being responsible. That's what's really going to help and differentiate the brands who can successfully navigate greenwashing.
2: Okay, Pip, your turn. Well, I, I think I agree with a lot of what Mikey said, but I think it really comes down to what we need now is to be as specific as possible to provide substantiation and also have a spoonful of, of humility, which I think in marketing and advertising we aren't always that good at, because we want to say that our business is the best, that we have solved the issue. so I think we just need to be really honest about you know where is the improvement, um, what specifically was the improvement, and um, here's all the proof that substantiates what we're saying is true.
1: Thanks um, so one last question I had on this topic is. We have talked about how consumers really want to analyze the environmental impact of a lot of their actions, including the products they buy. On the other hand, we are in a, an economically dicey environment. Don't know how else to put it, but sometimes people have really good intentions and then they go into the store and they can save 30% by buying the less environmentally responsible option. And that's what happens. The Tide campaign actually does a great, great um, job of, of connecting, you know, price and the fact that this is actually going to save you money to an environmentally responsible way of doing your laundry. But, but those examples um, aren't always viable. Do you really feel consumers are um, voting with, their desire to have a a less damaging environmental footprint, or when push comes to shove, are they going for the cheaper item?
2: I think there are, there's a lot of creativity out there. Another ex- example of a brand I think is doing great stuff is Hellman's. They've got a whole campaign called Make Taste Not Waste, and it really ties into this idea of um, not letting those leftovers in your fridge go to waste and coming up with recipes to use mayonnaise and turn them into whole new meals. So I think ideas like that tackle a big problem like food waste, but they also... Um, you know, take tackle a real challenge that people are feeling right now, which is, you know, that penny pinch and wanting to make what they have go further. The in the top three behaviors that we're tracking in our purpose up study, the number three is um how I'm responding to sustainability is buying less. So I think consumers are already thinking about um how can I respond to this in a different way than I have before.
0: I'll just add as well, I do think that there is a, a broader misconception sometimes that, you know, doing the environmentally friendly option is more expensive and that it is cost prohibitive to live a more, you know, conscious type lifestyle. I mean, travel is a really, really good example because it's almost the complete inverse where luxury, luxury travel, which is very expensive, is often the single most extractive experience you can have. It uses the most water, the highest strain of resources. It usually is, is has no kind of inherent tie in with local communities. It doesn't create as much job. It's a lot of foreign investment and foreign ownership and things like that. So from a travel point of view, there is a very real thing where sometimes actually going the more kind of organic, cost effective, authentic local route is actually not only a better experience, but it's actually better for the planet and better for the community as well. So I think there is a a big layer of that around kind of overall lifestyle choices and lifestyle changes where um, it doesn't actually have to be the more cost prohibitive option. I think as advertisers and uh, as marketers, I think we all have kind of a collective obligation to help shift that systems thinking that being green or being eco or being sustainable is more expensive because oftentimes it just requires more intent. As opposed to more money.
1: Thanks for that, and and that sort of leads into AdNet Zero, which is uh, finally launched in the U.S. Um, John Osborne is heading it up here. A lot of people know John from uh, for being one of the top media people in the U.S. for a number of years. So, um, just wanted to get your thoughts on um, AdNet Zero, what the impact could be here, and and also just um, any advice you might have for companies in our space who are really looking um, to um, to be more responsible, and how AdNet Zero can really further that?
2: For those that uh, that don't know, AdNet Zero is really encouraging um, media and advertising agencies to set net zero um, emission target goals, asking them to. Think about um, how they might um, influence their own scope three emissions. So thinking about business travel, for example, thinking about media spend, thinking about production spend. Um, so it, it offers like a range of um, you know, good questions to ask yourself as an agency, some support on policy, and also some tools and um, service providers that can help you get there. Honestly, I think that is the biggest opportunity of Ad Net Zero is the role that we play as agencies as um, you know, thought leaders and um, strategy partners to the big companies that we work for and the way that we might then be able to influence those businesses to help them go on the journey as well.
0: So what's really good about it is it's kind of this obviously 10-step guide, and I think it really kind of focuses on progress over perfection and this idea that you don't have to solve everything, but you can solve something and get, get on a better path in, in one way, shape, or form. Um, for us, some of the things that really stood out there were around the science-based targets initiative. Um, For us, we have two main certifying and verifying bodies at Intrepid, the B Corp certification and the science-based targets initiative. And they really, really hold our business to a very high standard. And they're not easy, they're not cheap, they're not quick, nor should they be. Our B Corp certification took three and a half years to get done. Our science-based targets initiative was a two plus year type initiative. So the idea of getting started is also really, really important as well. I think the other thing that it really outlines, which is great, is that kind of training element. And I think it's about arming the modern advertiser, and arming the modern marketer with new skills and tools that they didn't maybe need five years ago. You know, the stuff when we have our PR coordinators needing to talk about intersectional justice in press releases or talk about indigenous tourism experiences and things like that. These are not things that are that necessarily come to naturally to most advertising marketers, but are super important because words matter, imagery matters and all of these things. So I really do think um, what really kind of is drawn to me from this is obviously some of the bigger certifying and verification bodies that will really help hold you genuinely accountable for for your impact work and then also that training and really starting to think about what it means to be a a true impact marketer in kind of this modern heightened awareness kind of era of, of marketing and advertising
1: so i can't thank pip and mikey enough for being here today on the podcast it's not that often that you get to talk to two people who are so deeply immersed in this subject. And so I hope you find their insights as wonderful as as I did. Uh, I wanted to also point out that here at work, we have a sustainability hub. So if you want more content like this, please check that hub out. It has some wonderful, wonderful content on it. And lastly, I wanted to thank the four A's for helping to put this podcast together. Uh, They were really instrumental in making sure we got some of the finest people in sustainability in the marketing industry on this call. So they deserve a shout out. And of course, I'd love to remind everybody to subscribe to the work podcast if you don't already. And thanks so much for listening.